0: Uh, beginning a new parasha, uh, these parashiyot <clears throat> don't get easier. The book of Vayikra actually is a uh, the most difficult of all the books in the homash, but we'll learn it, you know, on a little easier level, just homash rashi. So I'll just give you a background. What we're talking about tonight is a lady that uh, gives birth. So she has two options: she can either give birth to a boy or a girl. Today. I guess there's more options, but in the olden days when things were normal, it's a boy and a girl. Those are the two options, Zahar and Nekeba. <laughs> and the Torah tells us that when a lady gives birth, automatically she becomes impure, like a nida, like when she has a nida. But the uh, purific, the uh, contamination period actually differs between if she gives birth to a boy or she gives birth to a girl um If she gives birth to a boy, the Torah tells us that she is impure for the first seven days after childbirth. After that, on the seventh day, <coughs> the Torah will tell us that she goes to the mikveh. And then uh, the subsequent next 33 days, she is basically pure. She's not 100% pure, but she's pure enough to be with her husband. And then on day 40, she needs to bring a sacrifice. And then uh, she is 100% pure. She can even eat tiruma, uh, which is holy food, and kurbanot. Now, this law differs if it's a girl. If she gives birth to a girl, she's ritually impure for 14 days. Now I know some of you are saying, why is she doubly impure if she gives birth to a girl? You just said, if she gives birth to a boy, she's only impure for seven days. If she gives birth to a girl, she's ah for 14 days. Well, it's a man's world, Rabotai. The point is that after the 14 days of a birth of a girl, <clears throat> for the next 66 days, She is Tehorah. And then on day 80, she will bring a sacrifice and then she'll be able to even eat Tiruma and Korbanot. So that's the the basic rules that are working over here. Now, one more uh, clarification. There is blood that's called Dam Teme'a, or Dam Tum'ah, blood that is Teme'ah, just like when a lady, during her monthly nida, that blood that comes out, renders her teme'ah. It's called dam tameh. However, during the days between when she goes to the Mikveh, let's say for a boy, on day 7 until day 40, even though she's seen blood, that the Torah refers to as dam tohar. That's blood, that is tahor. Although she's seeing blood, it doesn't matter. The blood does not render her Teme'ah. And the same thing with a girl. The first 14 days, she's Teme'ah. From 14 to 80, whatever she's seeing, that blood is not considered blood of Tum'ah. It's actually called Dam Tohah. Blood that has the status of Tohah. So let's begin the Pera uh, We'll try to now apply everything i just said into the text write the bir otherway moshe demor the bir is ben ei israel speak to the people ishaki tazria a lady who conceives be ale dazahar and she has a baby boy vetam'ah shavat yamin and she will become impure for 7 days kimenidat devotat etma that she is impure for seven days, just like the days of a nida. Now there's a few things that that she points out to us over here. First of all, if you remember, what did we talk about in last week's fedasha? We talked about the animals. Remember we talked about the kosher animals? We talked about fins and scales by the fish. We talked about split hooves and chewing its cud by the animals. We went through the different birds, so Rashi points out that just like when God created the world so the animals came first and then Adam was last so so too when God is discussing the purity of his creatures he first discusses the purity and impurity of his animals and then at the end he talks about the purity and impurity of man so these pretty short actually follow the same uh, system or the same pattern as creation as biryat ta'ulam itself first the animals and then god ends off with men now when it says isha why doesn't it just say isha a lady that gives birth kitazriya comes from the Hebrew word zera which is the seed which is obviously which is fertilizes the egg so, but as she learns from over here that even if the lady gives birth to Zera which means she doesn't give birth to a viable child we call that a uh, miscarriage so even a miscarriage renders the lady uh, tum'a. So don't think it only has to be a you know a live child even if all that comes out of her is <clears throat> just this um, this fluid which was actually you know a body, That was dissolved, nonetheless, it makes her tamer. she gives us definition of a word, the word devota. It's in the first Pasuk. It says Kimeh, Nidat Devota Titma, which literally means that she will be weak and infirm, just like when she gets her nida. So that she learns over here, I guess the reality that. Whenever a lady uh, expels blood from her body, it's a sign of weakness and sickness. she's language is, that a lady will not see blood without feeling ill. And her head and her limbs feel heavy. So that's why it calls This uh, phenomenon of the lady seeing blood, whether it's through trial birth or it's through her monthly Nida, the Torah refers to it as a Devota, as a Dava. Dava is an infirmity, which means a a sickness because the lady does feel uh, sick and weak and her body is heavy when she goes through this uh, process. Now, as she points out something else that she says that regarding a lady who gives birth, even if it's a dry birth. Now, I I know that's rare. That means even if the, uh, when the lady gave birth, there was actually no no blood that came out. Is it possible? It's a good question. So the Gemara says that it is impossible that when the lady's womb opens up, blood for sure is going to come out. But even if you didn't see it, that's the point. Doesn't matter. Maybe it got lost or maybe, you know, it got uh, stuck in there somewhere, but definitely some blood was discharged. And therefore, even if it's a dry birth, the lady still is going to become uh, Temea. Now, I want to point out that this law really doesn't apply today. But we know that our ladies, when they give birth to a baby boy, they don't go to the mikveh after seven days. You know, They order the mikveh after, uh, you know, who knows how long, six weeks, seven weeks, eight weeks, weeks—till the doctor says they're okay. But in the olden days, that's the way it was. If a lady gave birth, seven days later already, she was in the mikveh if it was a boy. So when they went to Brit Mila already on the eighth day, she was... Uh, she was with her husband. She was pure. And therefore, the Torah says over here that uh, so if she gives birth to a boy, she will be impure for seven days. Again, this law does not apply today, but in the olden days it did. And she's like a lady who gets an idad. that's also to for seven days. Now, what do you do on the eighth day? On the eighth day is the Brit Milah of the baby boy. And the Torah is coming to tell us a chidush over here, that on the eighth day, no matter when the eighth day is, that means even if the eighth day lands on Shabbat, as important as Shabbat is, the Brit Milah overrides the Shabbat. Eighth day, no matter what. And we know that till today, that even if Brit Milah falls out on Shabbat, and then it says after the seven days, she goes to the mikveh, for the next 33 days, teshev tahara. Now teshev over does not mean that she sits. Teshev means that she remains or that she stays. So she says melashon akaba. Akaba means that she is remaining or staying so she remains or stays in a status of purity. And the Torah refers to the blood that comes out of her during the 33 days as. tahara She says, even though she sees blood during the 30 day period. So that's a good trivia question. When does a lady see blood? And we call it purity. That's during the 33 days. Uh, after the seven days, I mean, she, she gave birth, she counted seven days, in those days she she went to the mikveh on day seven, then for 33 days, subsequently, that blood is called Dam Toha. Now, even though we say that the blood that came out of her during the 33 days is not impure, but she's still not allowed to come in contact with holy things. So the pasuk says, She cannot touch tirumah, which is, you know, holy food because she still needs to bring a sacrifice and that sacrifice is not going to be born until day 40. So brought, she's in limbo. Well, she's permissible to be with her husband. She doesn't have a status technically of tumah, but she's not out of, the, uh, out of the woods yet, so to speak, because she still needs to bring a sacrifice, and until she brings that sacrifice, she will not be able to come in contact with Tiruman. If she touches Teruman, it'll become contaminated, and she's not allowed to go into the Mikdash. Ve'ela lo tavo. She cannot, obviously, enter the Meta Mikdash. Ad until her days of purity are complete. Ve'im nekeba telet. Now, Let's say she gives birth to a girl. So this time she's impure for the first 14 days. And then for the next 66 days, she will remain and stay with these pure blood. At the end of the days of purity, whether it's for a boy or a girl, so either day 40 or day eight. Tavi, she must bring a sacrifice. So she brings a sheep for a korban ola, or ben and she brings a, a bird offering, whether it's a young dove or a turtle dove, as a korban hatat, as a sin offering. Now, the question over here is, Why is she bringing a a sin offering? I mean, what sin did she do? As far as we know, all she did was give birth. Now, it's not a sin to give birth. So why would the Torah come along and say that after the process, she must bring these birds as a, uh, a sin offering? Anybody can give a reason for that? But right up beginning. until now, women weren't allowed even to go into the beta mikdash. since when are the ladies going in now? Like, so weird. Why is it weird? Wait a minute. Why can't ladies go into the beta mikdash? No, but like giving karma, like they're giving sacrifices. It's like I felt it's such a holy, holy thing. Wait, but, 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 but give yourself credit. Ladies are okay. You're not, you're not as bad as you think. Ladies are allowed mm-hmm. to go into the beta mikdash. Nothing wrong with it. Ladies are just as Jewish as men. I meant it's like such a cohen thing, and I don't know, you made it before, like it was so special and the way they brought it in and the whole my thing wife, you know. My wife special. So anyway, the point is, the point is why, why does she have to bring a sin offering? So what sin the did she, she commit? That's yes, what do you have to say? I think that she say that she doesn't want to have another baby you after giving birth? Oh, unbelievable, it's exactly correct. Really, Yeah, which means when she's on the birthing table, besides cursing out her husband for, you know, giving her all this pain of, of child labor, I guess he had something to do with it. And then she makes a, a vow and she says, I'm never going to have another child again. That's it. I swear to God, no more children. I don't want to go through this anymore. So after she gives birth, and she's holding the baby and she loves the baby. And then she regrets that she made this vow makes it that the lady forgets the, the process to a certain degree so she has to bring a sin offering to atone for the vow that she made using God's name that she's not going to have any more children so that's the that's the sin offering and she brings it into the uh, into the Beit HaMikdash and they will bring it uh, offer it in front of Hashem uh and the, she says that um, if she doesn't bring um these korbanot, she cannot eat you know the holy food so she has to bring this uh this animal she has to bring at least one of them which means the main one is the hatat the main one is the sin offering if she brings the sin offering because if you look at the pasukah, it says Behikriboh. Behikriboh is singular we just listed a few kurbanote, We listed a korban Ola and we listed a korban hatat. But it says the main one is the hatat beikribo, not beikri, Bu would be plural. bo is singular. So therefore, the main thing is that she brings the hatat and she becomes pure. Zot Torah tayuleh. This is the Torah of the lady that gives birth. Now, she says that she brings uh, no, no, the, the next person says that let's say the lady is poor. So she can't afford to bring an animal as a Qurban. Animal costs money, 500 bucks to buy a sheep. So it says, mm-hmm. if she cannot afford the amount of a uh, sheep, so then she'll bring two birds, two young doves. So it says, Either two young doves or two uh, turtle doves. Small birds like, like uh, pigeons. Uh, one is as a kurban olah, Ola means the whole thing goes on the misbeah, and the other one will be a Hatat. So that she says, hadla Ola hatat. Right, which means even though the Pasuk says one for Ola and one for Hatat, that's not the order that she brings. She actually brings the Hatat before the Ola. That's the Gemara Zivahim teacher. So the Torah is putting the Ola before the Hatat, but that's not the way it was brought. It was actually brought Hatat first and Ola. And the Kohen atones for her V'tahera. And then she becomes purified. So, this is a um, an old law of, of the Tum'at Leda. And that's the halacha does apply today, by the way, to a certain degree that when a lady starts to go into labor and she starts to see blood, immediately she becomes Nida. And all the laws of Nida kick in so the husband cannot. Uh, you know, hold their hand, and we not have any physical contact. You know, you have these, uh, uh, you know, these husbands that mean well, <clears throat> and they, you know they're holding their wife's hand during the uh, during the labor, thinking that that's going to make it. You know, the pain go away. They want to you know, be part of it. Okay, I'm not talking about the guys that are going in there with a video and all the all those other stuff that is inappropriate, but they want to be part of it. They have good intentions, but they have to know that. When the lady starts to get into regular labor, she's Nida. Therefore, you know you're not doing any, you know you're not doing her a favor by, by by transgressing the rules of Nida at a time that she needs to be protected from the uh, from the pangs of labor and then a healthy baby and healthy mom. So that's something that the Torah is reminding us over you know, that, you know, for the first seven days or at least during active act labor, that's you know, not a time for the, uh, you know, to show. Uh, you know, uh, physical affection, uh, you know, better that the husband maybe take a Tehillim book, go in the corner and read, and pray for, uh, for a healthy baby and healthy delivery. Okay, that's just a little op-ed at the end of the shiwa tonight. want to uh, remind us that she needs a big thought If you can take a minute of your time tomorrow to pray for Haya, Sarah Batsibha, she's taking uh, some, sir, some, some some experimental medicines out of the country. And we hope that uh, the medicines will react, correct, react correctly. Amen. Uh, thank you so much. We have in mind that needs especially at this uh, at this critical time. She's going through some uh, tests and, uh, you know, medical stuff. So we need uh, we need big uh, Big miracles and big uh, good news. And the timing is perfect because Amen. we're in between Purim and Pesach, which is all favorable <laughs> months for the Jewish people. Now, the work that we have cut out for tonight is a new topic that we never discussed. And that's the main uh, theme of Parashat Tazriyah, which is our parashah. And it is entirely the theme of next week's parashah, which will be called Parashat Metzora, And that's the law of Sara'at. <clears throat> now, the word Sara'at is loosely translated, and I say loosely or better wrongly translated as leprosy. Now, there definitely was a disease at a certain time called leprosy, and it was very contagious, and they used to have, you know, mandatory quarantines for lepers. And they had these colonies of lepers and they put them outside the camp. But one should not make a mistake without any shadow of a doubt, the leprosy or the tzara'at of the Torah is not a physical malady. It's not a physical disease. It's something that is totally spiritual. And therefore it's not contagious the fact that the Torah is mandating a quarantine is not because it's catchy this only comes because of sins and therefore if a person is not committing the sins that can bring this you know, disease on <clears throat> he has nothing to worry about so I'll just give you an example that this is not a physical disease because we're going to learn in Pesukin, maybe not tonight but we're going to learn that if let's say the, the, uh, the patches that are on the person's body, if they're on part of his body, then it's possible for him to be contaminated. But if it covers his whole body, he's pure. Now, if this was a physical disease and it's covering his whole body, so for sure he should be contagious, but it works the opposite. If his whole body is, is, is white, he's not contagious. So that shows us that it's not working with the normal, you know, physical, uh, medical, medical rules. Okay. Now that we have that, now let's try to explain the process. So how does it start? It starts with a person, you know, one day waking up, and all of a sudden he sees a symptom. And what is this symptom? He sees a white patch of skin that starts to appear on his uh, body somewhere. Now, the white patch has to be a certain size. It has to be according to the halakha, the size of a grease. Now, a grease is, let's say, three quarters of an inch square. That's the the size, uh, if you remember the old subway tokens. So, about a size like that Not the metro card, the token. So, a size of the token, so that's the, that's going to be about the size. And now, the Torah comes along and says that there are two primary shades of white. One of them is going to be called uh, se'et and one is going to be called behedet. Remember, these are the two primary colors, se'et and behedet. Now, what are these colors of white? So, se'et actually is the whiteness of wool. And baheret is the whiteness of snow. It's two different whites. So if the Sarat has that color, either the color of Se'et or baheret, so then the Kohen will come in and make a medical examination. And if he sees that uh, it's that color, so he quarantines the, uh, the person. And then he comes back after a week's time to make another assessment. Now, if it starts to spread after a week's time so the Kohen already renders him totally uh, tameh, and now the guy's got to follow all the laws of sarat. they send him out of the camp and whatever, he has to make sacrifices when he gets cured and so on and so forth. Now, if after a week's time, nothing happens. The tzara'at just maintains its size, so the Qur'an doesn't know anything. He says, I'll see you in a week. And then he comes back in another week, and then he makes a a decision. If the tzara'at spreads, then he's Tamir. If it stays the same, so then already he could start the purification process immediately. Now, one of the things that we're going to learn about sarat. Is only the kohen is able to render a ruling regarding the contamination of sarat. Not a rabbi, and not a doctor, and uh, you know, not a, you know, not a pharmacist. The kohen is the uh, only one that is qualified to make rulings on. So, so that's one of the jobs of the kohen. Besides all his business that he had in the Beit HaMikdash. He would also be on call. You know, a guy would call his local Khaen, you know. Mr. Kohen. I woke up with a patch uh, on my arm. Uh, now, he doesn't tell him go to a dermatologist. And he doesn't tell him, oh yeah, why don't you use some cucumber cream? It's probably uh, eczema. No. Uh, this is, in the olden days, a concern that it might be this spiritual disease that God brings out. Sometimes, Sara'at, does not come on the person's body. Sometimes it comes on the walls of his house. Now, today, if a guy woke up and saw spots on the wall of his house, he call the mold expert. And the guy would charge you, you know, an arm and a leg to get rid of the mold. We're not talking about that over here. This is not mold. This is not some leak in the wall or some uh, you know, algae that's growing from the uh, bacteria. This over here is something that's on the wall. That is a spiritual disease. So the kohen comes along and he looks at the color and he says, oh, you're in trouble. This disease, this spiritual disease has infected your house. And they basically make the guy move out and he's got to take all his possessions and then they knock the wall down. So this is serious stuff. Now, sometimes the guy will get sadat on his clothes. Now he wakes up the next morning and also he sees a white spot on his blue suit. Where did it come from? So, the first thing he tells his wife that the maid put my suit in the, uh, you know, in, in, in the dryer and in the washing machine. He thinks it's bleach, which incidentally happened to many of my suits. But the point is, that's in today's day. But this is not a bleach spot. This, the Kohen has to come along and say, yes, you've been infected with Sara'at beged, And then the process, because those are basically the three places where Sara'at can manifest itself on the walls of the house, on the garment, and then on the body. And the rabbis tell us that God usually doesn't start it on the body. You know, the the, the warning signs get closer and closer if the person doesn't repent. So further starts on the house, okay? If he doesn't repent, it comes on the garments. If he doesn't repent, it comes on his body. So it gets closer and closer to home, as they say. Now, I told you that there are two primary types of saraat. One is called se'et, and one is called vahiret. Now, there are two other colors that I need to discuss with you. They're called secondary colors. So therefore, each one of these colors has a secondary. So se'et has a secondary, and vahiret has a secondary. So altogether, there are four different types of salat Now, the secondary is called, in the Torah's language, uh, sapahat. So therefore, there is a sapahat to the se'et, and there's a sapahat to the bahet. Again, that is called the secondary uh, colors. Now, what are these colors over here? So one is the color of an egg membrane, Okay, you know what the egg membrane is? It's a little darker than, uh, than the se'et. And the se'et, we said, is natural wool. And the second color is a chalky color, which is slightly darker than bahirat. So again, you know, those are the the, the the four categories. You have se'et, and then the, the, the sapahat of se'et, and then you have bahirat and the sapahat of uh, bahirat. Okay, now that we have this introduction, we can start reading the Pesukim. I'm starting in chapter 13. A person that will have on his flesh, that's the primary one, or its secondary color, or Bahired, which is a primary color, and it will be on his flesh, the negat sarat. So then the Torah says, Behuva illaharona koher. He must go again, not to the dermatologist, but to Aharun a Koher or Ilahadibanab a Kohanim. And the she says that uh regarding Aharon Kizirata Katuvi, it's a it's the law she'en tumat negaim betaharatan el al pi kohen fine only the kohen has the right to make a ruling now what happens be'a kohen it nega basar he notices that there's a white patch you know in the middle of the person's flesh bis'a oh, be'nega and there's a hair growing in the nega now, initially, when he went the first time to check it, the hair was black. And then when he came back, exactly, the hair in the nega turned white. So now the Torah says, the se'ar meor And the color of the nega makes it look deeper than the regular flesh, it's really not deeper, it's just the color makes it look deep. it's like an optical illusion. <inaudible> that is considered legitimate. <inaudible> now, so that we learn now. One of the signs of guaranteed conclusive tum'ah is a white hair. Okay? So again, initially when he saw it, there was a black hair. Well, he didn't get nervous. i will come back in a week. when well, He came back. The white hair, the black hair turned white. Now already That's a telltale sign that the guy has saraat. Now the pasuk says, v'im baheret Now let's say it's baheret color. v'amok en but this time, after the Queen came back, the white hair in the Bahir did not turn white. It's still black. So he puts them in quarantine for seven days. So, therefore, he says, Well, it's pending. I can't make a ruling yet. The hair did not turn white. I'll come back. So, by the way, the Jews have been quarantining way before COVID, by the way. Quarantining was involved, but this was not a quarantining again because of contagiousness. This was just as a punishment. Now, <speaking in Hebrew> the kohen comes back on the seventh day. <speaking in Hebrew> the nega remained, you know, uh, stable. <speaking in Hebrew> it did not spread. So, <speaking in Hebrew> the law is. You need another quarantine for seven days. Which is, if nothing happens, he's not out of the woods yet. The Cohen says, because it's still there, it just didn't spread, but well, it didn't go away. So therefore, we tell him, I'll be back in seven days again. Exact 14 days. That's the 14-day quarantine. The the exactly, that's exactly, slow the spread, exactly. It's exactly. only thing they're missing over here is a mask. A mask and a booster shot. So it says over here, he sees them on the second, seventh day, I mean the 14th day. The nega actually became lighter. Now if it became lighter, that means it's going away. It did not spread. The kohen now purifies them. It is called mispahat. Mispahat is not sarahat. Mispahat is a skin disease. Then maybe it was eczema, or maybe it was some sort of rash, or some sort of, you know. Then the quran will tell him, you know what? Nice. It's not for me. Go to a dermatologist. You know, it's not my, uh, it's not my eye. But that takes a few weeks for the quran to see how it's behaving, how it's reacting. So it's called mesparat, and the she's language on the word misfahat is shem nega or. That's the name of a pure nega. However, since he did have to go through a process, he needs to go to the mikveh. So the Pasuk says, he has to wash his clothes in the megveh again, because since he was in quarantine, after the quarantine, he needs to go to the mikveh. Just like many of our members after the quarantine, after watching Netflix for three months, they also should have went to the mikveh when they came out, because quarantine, for, for some people, they were watching Zoom the whole time, learning Torah. But for some people, they just were watching uh, movies for three months. So therefore, the quarantine necessitates a tevila. Uh-huh. Huh? Uh-huh. No, no para. You only need para aduma for corpse. But for tzara, you don't need the para aduma. So now the pasuk says, the <laughs> pasot if let's say this mispahat, this skin disease starts to spread, then already v'hira'a if the queen looked at it, and the queen comes back and says, wow, this thing is spreading, even though he called it mispahat, which is nothing, if it starts to spread, it turns back into sarah, v'timua'a quran, sarahati, and now He's called a conclusive starat. That's called starat muchlat. Until the Kohen renders him totally bad, he's called a starat musgad. Musgad just means he's in quarantine. But now he's mukhlat. Mukhlat means he needs to bring korbanot. And we He has to bring the birds. He has to shave his hair. He also is sent out of the camp. Saratati, uh, this mispachat actually is. A sarat. Now, just some grammar, that everybody loves grammar. It's Sarat It's called sarat he. So that means the word Sarat must be feminine. So that she says that Sarat is feminine and the word nega is masculine. Nega means a blemish. So whenever the Torah will use the word nega, the Torah will use the word who, Because that's masculine. Whenever it says the word Sarat, they'll use the word he, because again, it follows the uh, the laws of uh, of uh, of the grammar. exactly the that everybody loves. All right. Anyway, that's the introduction to the laws, not of leprosy. So I don't want anybody to come along and say Sarat is leprosy. It's a mistake. Sarat is Sarat. It's got nothing to do with that physical leprosy that we talked about in the beginning of the class. But now you know about Seet. You know about Bahedet, you know about Sapahat, and you know about Mispahat. You learned four terminologies. Se'et and Bahedet are the primary colors. sapachat, is the secondary colors. And then Mispahat is just a skin disease. Okay, I'm going to stop over here. Hopefully, this will be for the Washima, the Hayasara, but some Ha'il, and we're doing this for. Shalom, 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 Malki. let me study for the uh, Mansur. We are up to we are up to um Yudgiman. And we are up to basuk Teth. And we have over here uh, some more uh, details about what we call sara'at. Uh, last night I said the sarat is not to be confused with what we call leprosy. Because that, uh, leprosy is a physical malady. This is a, a spiritual malady. So tonight we're going to learn some more of the details. So we read. Negat um, sarat. Sure. Yes, negat sarat The person has a sarat affliction uh, on himself. So they bring him to the kohen, like we learned last night. Only the kohanim are able to uh, diagnose sarat. ha and the kohen. We'll take a, uh, make an observation. So we learned yesterday that one of the uh, types of sara'at is called se'et. It's a white color of skin. So discoloration of the skin and it's white. And we also learned last night that one of the signs of tum'a is if there's a, white hair that's growing in the white patch. So the white hair is a sign of tumah. So the Pasuk says, So the black hair that was in the uh, patch turned white. Well, there's another sign of Tum'a, and that's called Basar hai. So let's talk about basar hai for a minute. If let's say in the sara'at, in the white patch, there is a, in the middle of it, there's a piece of live skin. Live skin means, looks like it's healthy skin. That's called a mehyat, that inside the white, it turns into like a normal, normal flesh. Now that's a sign of Tum'a. So again, we have two signs of Tum'a. Either a white hair in the white patch, or forget about the white hair. In the white patch, you see normal skin. So that's called M'hyat Basar Chai, that there is a healthy live flesh, Bas'it, in the middle of the si'it, which is the white patch. So the Torah says, sara'at no they're telling the kohen that don't make a mistake, that even though you see healthy flesh, so he might come to think that that's not contamination because the flesh looks healthy in between the se'et. So the Torah says, no, it's actually sara'at no it's old saraat. That means underneath that flesh, is going to be uh, pus. It's gonna be filled with fluid <clears throat> and therefore don't get fooled from what you see on top. Underneath it is all, it's all infected so to speak. So that's the Kohen at that point over there, the Kohen makes him impure. Now at that point, he doesn't have to um, put him in a, uh, you know, a temporary situation. Kitamehu. He's totally tame. Meaning, it's uh, it's conclusive. Now the pasuk says, "Beim parawah tefrachat sarat baor, vechesedat sarat et kol or hanega, mirosho veadlaglav. The whole male is a kohen." We hear the Torah is going to tell us a big Haddush. Let's say that sarat is on the whole body, from top to bottom. Meaning from his head, all the way down to his feet. So the guy's uh, snow white. His whole body is filled with sarat. And the Kohen, it says, comes with his eyes. but Kohen. The eyes of the Kohen sees it. From here we learn that only a kohen that has good vision can come and make rulings on sada'at. He has to have, in the ha-kohen, he has to have his eyes. But let's say, God forbid, the kohen's eyes are impaired. <coughs> he doesn't see good. So that he cannot render a ruling on sada'at. Now, what's the law if a person's whole body <coughs> is filled with sada'at? So the pasuk says, v'ra'ah Veneke setat sarat et colbe saro, vitihar etanaga. Kulo hafakh lavan tahoru. Famous state. Kulo hafak lavan. If everything turned white, tahor. Now, this is obviously counterintuitive. If he has a little patch. With a, white, with a white hair, he's tamir. If he has a little patch with some live flesh in the middle, he's tamir. But if his whole body is filled with sara'at, he's tahor. Don't ask me to explain that. But that's what the basukah is saying. Crazy. It's crazy. Kulo, I mean, it's crazy in a nice sense because we're still learning the Torah. Kulo <laughs> laban. If kulo laban, his whole body became l'avan. Tahoru. That is a sign of Tara. So that just proves what I said last night that this is not a physical affliction. Because if this was a physical affliction, the more you have on your body, the worse you should be. And here we're seeing that's the opposite. The more you have in your body, you're not tame at all. So that's uh, that's uh-huh. the, the first hadush over here. Now the Pasuk says. Ubyo mira otbo But on the day that the Kohen sees uh, on uh, the Tzarat that healthy flesh appears, so we said that if he just sees a white patch, it's nothing. But if a healthy piece of skin, which is called Mechiat, grows in the middle, so that's going to be uh, Tameh. So she's bothered because we learned this already. Why is the uh, Torah repeating this? So now that she tells us a, another Hidush about Sarat, and we're talking about now the 24 tips of limbs. You heard it right. The 24 tips of limbs. Now, what is tips of limbs? So let's look at the fingers. Oh. I don't got to show you show and tell with fingers. I think everybody knows what fingers are, but nonetheless, where's the camera? Okay, it's tricky over here. Okay, where where, where is this camera? All right, we'll do technical stuff after the class. Just trying to figure out. All right, let's say you have, so it's over here. Okay, so the finger. So you see the tip, the kohen. If let's say the sarat is on the tip of a finger, so the kohen is not going to be able to see it in one look. He's going to have to look on this side, and he's going to have to look on this side. So when the sarat on a on a on a on a rounded area or on a pointed area, sarat really doesn't manifest itself because. Again, the coin has to be able to see it in one, in one look. And here, since it's on both sides, he won't be able to see it in one look. Now, there's 24 uh, areas that are like this. You have the 10 fingers, and then you have the 10 toes. So that's 20. We got to get four more. You have the nose. That's the tip of the nose. That's what, 21. And then you have the ears. That's 20. Two and twenty-three, and then you have uh Rosha So that's the um the uh, the tip of uh of the of the private of the Mila. So if the Tsanaat comes in any of those places, Rashi she says it's not going to become Tamir. I'm gonna read Rashi now. Rashi says Harishanega. באחד מעשרים בארבעה לאש יברים שאין מתמיים משום מחיה. Even though it has a live flesh in between the white spot, it's not going to be tamei. If he ends it ereh hanegak kulo, k'ahad, because the coin cannot see it in a single look, she's because it slants, because it goes on both sides. Ilach ve'ilach. One side and the next. the hazar But let's say now the limb underwent a change. The inclination was exposed. Let's say it became a little visible. Through fat. Let's say the tip of the finger or whatever it is, it became a little wider. So now it's a little more flat and the queen could see the whole mega in one, uh, in one view. So then already uh, it became broader and you could see the flesh. <coughs> then already the passage was coming to say, it is going to be Tameh. Okay, so you learned the new law from the Torah tonight, the 24 tips of the limbs that are generally not susceptible to Tumat unless the queen can see it in one shot. And what is he seeing? He's seeing white, with a live flesh in between. Now, the last thing that Torah teaches us here is: on the day that the kohen sees the tzaraat, that's the day he'll render it tameh. So that she says on the word ubiyom that there's certain days that the kohen is allowed to look at tzaraat, but there's certain days where he's not allowed. Now, what would be an example of a day that we tell the Kohen that he should not look at sara'at? So Shabbat. Shabbat, very good. That would be a day that he should not look at sara'at. And then there's other examples of, let's say, you have a hatan. He just got married. So you don't want to ruin his seven days of Shiva Berachot. So let's say he has, he calls the Kohen and he says, I found this white spot on my hand. The Kohen will tell him, didn't you just get married last night? He said, uh, yeah, he said, you only married one night, you got sanaat already. That's a bad uh, that's a bad sign. Mm-hmm. But nonetheless, the Kohen will not come and uh, make a ruling, because he doesn't want to interrupt the seven days of shiva ben Achod. So he won't make a ruling, not on his body, not on his clothes, and not on his house. Furthermore, the Kohen does not come make a ruling on the holidays, on the festival. Because you have seven days of holiday. And therefore, if the queen is going to come and render it tameh, it's going to ruin the holiday. So therefore, the Quran learns, teaches us from there that there's only certain certain days that the Kohen sees it, and certain days he doesn't. Now, on the day that he comes and he sees there's live flesh in it, v'time'u'aba hai tamehu tameh sara'at he. Sorry, Sara It is Sarah. But let's say the opposite. Let's say he came back and he sees that the live flesh that was in the middle of the uh, white turned white. So now it doesn't have live flesh anymore. So then if it turns back to becoming just white, nega. So then already he is going to be Tahor. So that's the uh, that's basically the uh, the lessons that we're learning so far. Now there's another halakha in the next person. Ubasar ki bo be'oro Okay, now he has what's called shechin. Now what is shechin? Literally uh, an inflama- uh, inflammation of the uh, of the skin. Shechin comes from like it's ham, it's like a his, his his flesh becomes hot, and therefore because he has an infection, because let's say of a um of, a, of, of an infection, not not because of fire, but just like a boil, infection. yeah, a boil or something, but an infection, not because of uh, you know due to fire, so therefore what happens, sovenirpa, and let's say the inflammation went away. And it got better but in, in the place where the infection was, another infection developed. So here is a case where you had a sheen which is not a sara'at, and the sheen cured itself. And then in the place where the sheen was, all of a sudden, the sarat popped up. Now what type of sara'at? Se'et le'bana, either se'et, which we said is a type of white, or beheret le'bana, <coughs> or a White Adam Now, what does Adam Damit mean? So it's reddish. So in this case, it's a libana Adam Damit. It's a reddish white, um, which means it's not solid white anymore. It's uh, it's like uh, it's it's. Uh, she says Patuch. Patuch means it has like a streak. It has like Two appearances, Loven It's like a blend of two colors. Now we didn't learn this yet Till now. We just learned about the colors white. Now we're learning about this, you know, hybrid color after a sheen appears. So now you have what's called the Bana'a Damdamet. Well, got to bring it to the Kohen. <clears throat> and the Kohen will obviously take a look. And it looks like it's deeper. The color makes it look deeper than the regular flesh. There we go. You have a sign, white hair. White hair is a sign of Tum'ah. It's a nega sara'at that came as a result of of this infection, this inflammation. But let's say the Queen looks at this reddish white mark. It does not have a white hair. So there you go. We know the rule. There's no white hair. The Queen will just put him in, um, in a seven-day quarantine period because you have to wait. He has to come back into seven days to see how this develops. Now, after seven days, when he comes back, the impasot if it starts to spread, so spreading is also a sign of tumah, and therefore oto So that's a um, that happens after the seven days. Lastly, the pasuk says but let's say after a week later, he comes back and it remained in its place without spreading. So then it's not saraq, it's called serevet ha That's just called scarring of the inflammation. Which means sometimes after you have an inflammation and on the way that it's you know going down, it leaves what's called a roshim. Roshim means like a a mark, like a or scar. A, exactly, a scar. It's just because the the body was heated in a certain place, Inflamed and that in. heat exactly leaves a a mark in the inflammation area, right. and therefore, you know, it looks like a different color, but it's really not uh, sara. It's called sarebit. Sarebit is again a scar. In that case the kohen is going to render it tahor so wow, this is really uh amazing. amazing stuff that really we have no connection with uh you know this, that- not, this is not a pimple or a wart or something this is real stuff maybe and, they had autoimmune disease then who knows yeah but, but that, that's the, that's the point this was not a physical disease this only came because of averot. this had nothing to do with you know uh like you say uh uh some type of infection. This is because either the guy speaking or he has arrogance, or he's uh, stingy. The Gemara later on is going to tell us the different reasons that Sara'at comes from. But uh, again, it's not catchy. Again, if a person doesn't doesn't have the he doesn't have to. Listen. This is not uh, this is not COVID. This is something that is again a, a signal from God that the person needs to make some uh, religious amends. Okay, it's a beautiful piece we're learning, the Torah of Hashem. It's fantastic. We're connecting to God through these uh, these laws. And it should be for the for all Thank you. All. Thank you. you. bye. Yeah. Why, why was it white with the black hair? you think white is pure, maybe black, or yesterday we spoke about? Yeah, I, I'm not gonna confess that I can give you that answer. Okay. Uh, because a lot of this is, uh, you know, it's a hook. A lot of this is just one of those unexplained laws. Here. So why white? You're right. White is usually a, a pure color. Uh, and uh, you'd expect, let's say, a purple or something like that. No offense. Uh, purple or something like that. That that would be, But no, it says white. Well, guess what? It, 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 when you look at a skin, white is not a healthy color skin, by the way. White right. is like albino. You look right. at that white on a, on a normal right. skin; that's, that's not right. supposed to be. Maybe white in the talit is pure, but right. white on skin is sickly. Right, again, that's for sure. It's not sickly as yeah. sada'at. I'm, I'm not saying if a guy is white on his skin, it's only going to be tamer, Again, if if there's the a hair, hair of white, exactly, work. white hair grows in it, or it has live flesh. Flesh in the middle of it. Now, I'm not telling you, if a guy grows a white patch on his skin, and it's not sarat, that doesn't mean that he's okay. He should go to his dermatologist and get some, uh, you know, some cream for that. And then you got to take out the cucumber soap, like I said last right. night. Yeah. You know, right. Besides that, if it's sara'at, all the creams and all the, you know, uh, lotions... It's not going to help. It's not, that's not helping. It. That's the only thing that's going to help is teshuvah. Thank you. Thank you Rabbi. Have, a great... Have a good night, Rabbi. We're learning Parashat Tazria. Welcome. We're learning of But Bat Semcha. That needs to wash the We're learning the intricate laws, not of leprosy, but of Sadaat. So tonight we learn another case, the case that's called Mechvat Ish. Now, is talking about where somebody God forbid got a, a skin burn in fire and now there's obviously a burn mark and it starts to heal so we have to pay close attention when it's healing because if it starts to leave a certain discoloration it can actually be a sign of tada'at. and it's similar to what we learned last night. Last night we learned about had an infection, and when we learned about the infection, you have a jacket on. So we learned last night about somebody that has a uh, an infection that is um, healing and it causes swelling. And we said that if it has a discoloration where it becomes whitish-reddish. So then already that's a sign that it's developing into sarat. So the same law is going to apply to a case where a person didn't have an infection but had a burn. And now in the healing process, it started to form this Discoloration. So let's read the Pesukim. We're starting in chapter 13 and we're going to read Pesuk number 24. So it has a burn from fire. And as it's healing, the skin has a reddish white. Beheret. Beheret was just a color. Type of tzara'at. Or le'bana, or totally white. So the queen has to come and make an inspection. And all of a sudden we learned that one of the signs is if it develops a white hair in the middle of the beheret. So the Torah says that is Sara'at ma mikva paracha it erupted in the burnt area and the kohen is mitameh kohen negat sara'ati. so it's similar to what we said last night the law of the shpin which is the infection or the law of the mekhba which is the burn is the same law if it becomes reddish white or white with a black, with a white hair in the middle, it's going to be Tameh. So Rashi asks a question, why then not put both these laws together? Last night's class, the Torah could have said, regarding the tzaraat of Sheikhin and Mikva. Put them together. Why do you have to put two separate paragraphs and they have the identical same laws? So that she learns from here a lesson. You remember we learned that sara'at to be tamer has to be a certain size. And that size, we said, is the size of a gharis. Greece is uh, like the size of the old subway tokens. <clears throat> now, the law is that we don't combine sara'at, different types of sara'at to get to that measurement. So for example, let's say you had a half a grease of the sara'at of shechin, and half a grease of the sara'at of mikva. You don't combine them to make it a full grease to say it's tamer. That's why the Torah wrote it in separate paragraphs to tell us that we don't combine the two sara'ats to uh, come to the she uh, ought to come to the <coughs> the uh the amount. Now the Torah comes along and says, now let's say the queen after inspecting it. There's no white hair in the in the spot. It's really dimming. So after the first inspection, if he doesn't see any conclusive signs of Tuma, they wait a week. He puts them in, you know, quarantine for seven days, and then he comes back after seven days. So the Pasuk says, He comes back on day seven. Now, If it starts to spread, that's it. It's going to be Tamer right away. And the Torah uses a... Um, a language over here, which means if it starts to spread. Then the Torah makes him tameh right away. That's called Sarah. But if it just stays the same size, it didn't spread, and there's no white hair in the middle. And it's just dim. Meaning the color is not dark like it was, then it's called it's just a burn. It's a regular burn and then let him heal, but he's not tamir. We call that a scar. Is a scar. So it's scar tissue. The liver does not render him uh, tamir. So that was another form of sarat. Now we get to yet another case the Ish or Isha it applies to a man or a lady. All these laws apply to men or women. <clears throat> so he has a an affliction. Oh, so now we talked about sarat in the hair or in the beard. Like an in-ground? what is that? An ingrown like No, no, sarat okay. means the same item that we're talking about, okay. A white color. Of skin that develops in the scalp and the head, or develops in the beard. Now again, like I said, this law applies to men and women. Uh, you don't find it too often that women have beards, although I'm sure today you can find anything. <laughs> but <clears throat> uh, for sure, it's talking about uh, in their head as well. So now, <clears throat> this law is coming to teach us that there's different signs. And I'm going to tell you the different signs. Till now we learned that when a person has on his flesh a white mark, a white blemish, and there's what color hair inside of it makes it tamer? What color hair? White. Bingo. That's white. So therefore we said that's a sign of tumor. However, when you have an affliction, I got a white spot in the head, in the scalp, or on the beard, then we don't make it tame with a white color hair, but we're going to make it tame with a yellowed colored hair. The hair turns yellow. And we're gonna read that in the Pasuk now. <laughs> the kohen sees the affliction. And its appearance is deep into skin. It looks like it's deep into the skin. Ubose <laughs> art sahov. Anybody speaks Hebrew? Sahov is yellow. Now, can anybody tell me? There's another word in Hebrew that sounds like sahov that also is yellowish. Anybody know that word? Sahov. It has two zahab. letters zahab. very good. very good. Rashid, very good that she says that Zahav is actually a variation of the word zahab. It actually has the same letters except the Sand and the Zion. because if you look at the color gold, gold okay. also is yellowish. and therefore Sahob and Zahab are from almost the same, the same words. Very, very important. Interesting. <laughs> now, if he has this yellow hair, now a saraat that's on the scalp or in the beard is called netek. So the Torah says netiku. it's called a netek. It is indeed sarat of the head or the beard. Now, let's say. He inspects it. And he's looking, and he doesn't see a black hair in it. Now, the Torah teaches us a lesson here: That if, after the first inspection, he sees a black hair, he is immediately pure. Remember we learned in the other cases where you have on the skin, if he sees a black hair, he quarantines him for a week until he comes back and checks him again. That's by tzara'at on the flesh. But tzara'at on the hair, a black hair in the middle of the tzara'at is an immediate sign of purity. And therefore he doesn't have to come back. But let's say he doesn't see a black hair yet but he doesn't see a yellow hair either. So therefore, he's in limbo. So the Torah says, he puts him into quarantine. And then after seven days, First of all, it didn't spread. And it doesn't have a yellow hair in it. So then we know that since there are no signs of Tum'ah So the Torah says that what do you do in such a case? Well, let's say he sees on the seventh day there's no signs. So now the Torah says something interesting. <clears throat> the Galah Galah means he must shave his head all around the netek. And you'll see why. etan <inaudible> I'm sorry, <inaudible> Now, literally the pasuk means that he should shave the hair, but he should not shave the netek. Now, it's impossible to shave the netek because the netek is a piece of white, uh, white skin on the head. How do you shave that? So what it means to say is that you don't shave around it you just leave a little perimeter of like two hairs around the white spot, but he shaves the rest of the head. And what is the purpose of this? So it will become easy to tell next week when the Kohen comes to recheck it, if it's spread, because you're creating a border around it. So if you see that the white spot past that border of hair that you left around it, then you know it's spreading. And then you know that it's going to be tameh. So the pasuk says again. We're reading. <coughs> I'm reading pasuk l'megima betgalah. means that he should shave himself. and around the netek he should not shave. kohen and the kohen then uh leaves them in quarantine for seven days. Then our kohen, if that netig mayim meshri, he looks at the seventh day. He says, "No, pasat netig, it didn't spread." Umare, he says, "He is tahor." But the kohen, because he bests the gadat betiher, then the kohen says he is tahor. The im pasoyib se'ad netig ma'or. Here's a case. And this happens sometimes. where let's say the kohen says, "You're good. You're good to go. You're tahor." And all of a sudden, after he tells him he's tahor, it starts to spread. So it's like he got a, uh, a false positive. He told him you're okay. When he left, all of a sudden the next day started to spread. So he goes back to the Kohen. That's it. Once he sees spreading, that's the biggest sign that this guy's got sara. You don't have to look for yellow hair because even better than the yellow hair is the spread, That's a more indicative sign, a more conclusive sign of Tum'ah, and therefore Tamehu. Then if, let's say, that the Netek just remained the same appearance that it was, and there's a black hair in it, so we learned once there's a black hair, that's a sign that the netic is cured fine now we go to the final example of tonight's lesson they have beharot now what is beharot that she says habarburot. Okay, what is habarburot? That's like spots. That's more like freckles. All of a sudden, he sees like spots. Like, you know, some people have sunspots on their hand, things like that. spots. <clears throat> yes. Well, these people are having on their hands white spots. Now, they know what it is. It's eczema. It's a it, tzara. Uh, to go in, we'll inspect it. We So he has on his skin; he has dim white spots. So this is called in the Torah's language, Bohak. Bohak, Rashi says, is like a white patch and adam which can be seen on the flesh of a red complexion man certain people have a, red, a reddish complexion and therefore they have like these white spots and reddish in between that's called what's like freckles like a freckled person as she says shabina adasha adasha between the freckles like when a person has freckles on white skin, you see dots, red dots, with like white in between. There's a flesh. Here, you're getting white spots, and it's like reddish in between, because he has like a reddish reddish complexion. That's called bohak. We have good news for the members. Bohak is not sarat. And therefore the Torah says, tahor hu. And that's a perfect way to end the night, by saying the words tahor hu, He is pure. And therefore, we say, God should purify all the sick people from their sicknesses. They should have the fuash and emma, fuat and nefesh, fuat and goof, and the zechut, that we're studying these pisukim and we're not skipping anything. God bless you, Rabbi. Amen. He puts on here, he says it's skirt.